Hi, and welcome to the Defy the Norm podcast. I'm your host today. I've hijacked the podcast, uh, Victor Obledo. If you, this is your first time to this podcast, let me tell you a little bit about myself. Seven years ago, uh, my wife and I, Robin, decided to mo- move full-time and travel in an RV with not just us two, but five kids. Seven years later, we're here on the Defy the Norm podcast to share with you some of our personal struggles and some of the solutions that we've come up that can in a practical way, help you in your everyday life. Today, we're going to talk about why we stay in our boxes. And this one is near and dear to my heart because I am still struggling with a lot of these things today. And I think it's important for me to hop on with all transparency, share my struggle, share some stories, and share some simple steps so that it might actually help you. And you can share this with someone else. So, Please make sure if you do, if this does resonate with you, share this with others. We're trying to grow this podcast to help as many people as possible. Robin and I have been in the health and wellness field for almost 30 years, and it all comes down to helping ourselves, helping our family, but also helping others and getting that message out there. Before we get started, let's take a moment to make it, take a nice deep breath, deep breath in, exhale out, deep breath in. Exhale out. Good. Hopefully you're a little bit centered and you can pay attention to the podcast a little bit better and also shift and take sovereignty over your nervous system and control the mental state to which you're in. All right. So it was scary. It's been scary for me full timing. A big part of it is that I didn't realize initially what was going on in my psyche, in my mind um, and in my programming. Essentially, I was constantly telling myself, oh, you're a piece of garbage, you're not doing good, you're not providing for your family, you don't have this big mansion, you don't have blank, blank, and blank, what are people going to think? And right there, that just points to two programming issues that I was running with for a long time, not to mention the underlying uh, programming and trauma that kind of layered into an always worried state. And a big part of this is I'm still struggling with it. For the longest time, um, when I was in my mid-30s, I went through a massive adrenal exhaustion and fatigue and was having high levels of anxiety. And as I recovered from that and put myself back together, it was very difficult to encounter any level of anxiety. I almost felt like I should not have that. I have now come full circle to understand that anxiety is a wonderful message telling you that you're slightly out of alignment or also reminds you that you're alive. Um, especially when I started in my mid thirties, starting training jujitsu again, I really encountered that joy of that aliveness by once in a while, throwing my hat in the, on the mats and competing. And if you've ever competed in a one-on-one sport, even a combative, it could be extremely challenging, um, because you get these high adrenaline dump right before you compete and thankfully I was able to go through that through through high school and was familiar with that feeling I had learned to go oh this is the empowered feeling this is my primal brain getting ready for essentially battle and so when I started competing in my mid-30s and little smatters here and there uh, throughout my sort of jiu-jitsu career I really embraced that journey of stepping on the mat and going, wow, I am alive. I'm about to do this. This is exciting. I would look around, take a look at the crowd and the energy because it is a wonderful thing. But for many of us, we struggle with paralyzing anxiety and that is a little bit of a problem. Um, Currently, I'm reading 
three books and or three three authors really Gabor Mate, Paul Levy, and Carl Jung. And it's interesting what when we start drawing upon those three sources, what I find. And before we get deeper into this, let me share a, a quote with you that hopefully will resonate. And it's from Carl Jung regarding ego. Uh, The first half of life is devoted to forming a healthy ego. The second half of life is going inward and letting it go. Now, I think a lot of what we face currently um, with some of the challenges as we face as men and and women uh, as we age and have families and careers has to do with letting go of that ego. Uh, In this episode, I really want to present more of a focused way of of dealing with some of those challenges you face. And myself and the people I work with face those challenges as you're trying to broach into something new. What holds us back? And so I have a tendency to go back and I have a little bit of an elephant memory. So I try to draw upon now, having gone through some level of awakening and understanding of what's going on on a deeper subconscious level, I struggled with really initially going through this mindfulness, going through this mindset change, going through this reframing process in developing first off new habits. Number two, working on, working them into my everyday life. Number three, creating some measurement tool to, to show that this is actually working and then setting goals. Now, what's interesting about these four is that I naturally came up with this list after this amount of time. So if you can't do any of the things that I'm talking about, it's just going to take time and practice for you to figure out and refine your list. I make a living out of helping other people come up with this list and developing goals that are appropriate for them. And why I came up with this is because I realized in my strength, health, and wellness journey, I naturally do these things intuitively or initially I was doing them but it's just been so long having started a workout regime in middle school I intuitively just develop these lists and know how to evaluate it almost on the daily to go oh this is what I need this is what I need this is what I need and essentially that's what we need to be able to do now I know stop you're probably going like Vic this is that's a full-time job yes this is a full-time job and as I broach this realize that it is the challenge of every human to start working working in their health and wellness. And the more I work with a client, the more they realize they have to spend more and more time. You can't spend 15 minutes on self-care. You can't hack it down to that little amount of time. If you can and things are working, I don't know anyone that can work it down. We do want to be efficient and that we'll get to that in a little bit. So I realized that in the workouts, this is what I do. I, I ended up figuring out what I do for workouts and transferring this over to helping this with mindset. And hopefully this helps you because of the parallels. So the first thing that I always do and I realize is that I I tended to do the thing that I struggled with the most first thing in the morning. So initially with workouts, let's say it was stretching or rehab. Um, especially when I was in high school and I wanted to get a little bit more mobile, recover from an injury. I knew if I waited till after practice, I would not do it. So I started to wake up early, get that done before before I got to school. So the same thing applies to your mindfulness. So if you're struggling with getting in your yoga class, getting in some meditation, journaling, breath work, 
you know, uh, cold water submersion, cold showers, whatever that is that you're trying to work in to take your step another level for your mindfulness, work that in first thing in the morning. It's super critical to help you to just check it off the list. And I found that certain things I did once they become so ingrained in your body, in your psyche, eventually it becomes so habitual, you don't do it. And that's when you start working in another one. Um, number two, decrease the distractions. Now, this one is super important because in a world where we are surrounded with a, a ton of tech and instant gratification, it's super difficult to know like, yes, this year, 2023 is going to be my year. I'm going to bring a level of mindfulness. I'm going to be more self-aware, but you're watching, you're binge watching Netflix well, and you still are lying to yourself and potentially telling yourself, oh, I just don't have time in my day. Everyone is born with the same amount of time in a day. Everyone, the, the, the clock doesn't stop. And if you think of it in big enough a scope, um, I always think with my clients, and I can apply this principle to the same, to mindfulness, is that I always think in 52 weeks a year plan. So when I come up with the weight and the load that they're lifting or the exercise or how many miles they're running, I apply it to a 52-week year plan. This is where I want to get you. Now, this brushes up against some goals, which we'll uh, approach, we'll talk about again in a little bit. But it's still important to understand that having a bigger scope makes you know like, oh, I just need to place another layer, another brick on that wall. Take a step and and make sure it's happening and make sure that you're not being distracted. So um, over time, personal story, I used to be a massive fan of football, soccer, uh, and basketball, actually. Um, and this was sort of before kids. I started having kids. Now, we did have a lot more free time. We started our business. If you don't know that backstory, you can probably go to another podcast. But real quick, um, we had brick and mortar since we were 19 and 20 years old in Coronado, California. It was a personal training studio, and we worked with children, teaching them gymnastics. Now, um, early on, we taught spinning classes as well. And I remember very vividly getting up, going to work, working with clients, teaching a spin class, coming back and just laying around and recovering physically. We we're doing a lot of the physical part of the of the business and we always have, but it was all about just recovery. And so that free time was filled by a diversity and distraction. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't like it, but it was a distraction from the bigger picture. And so it's super important that you start refining it. So as I started having kids, got rid of basketball. As I started having second and third kid, I started getting, I had to actually, I remember vividly choosing between, was it going to be football or football? And I ended up cutting out football because it ended up monopolizing a lot of my Sunday and my kids interaction with them was way more important. So then I would say, okay, I'm not going to watch multiple games. I'll just watch Chargers. Then I got, then I essentially weaned that out. I'm like, I can just watch highlights. And then eventually I had to do the same thing with some soccer. I would watch the nice thing with soccer is I wasn't, wouldn't get as emotionally vested as watching our Chargers lose. So it's super, super important to have that experience and go through the point where I wean things out. And so start to look at your day and all the things that you're doing and all the things that you're consuming and make a decision on what you're going to start to get rid of to make time and space for this other growth. 
Now, that's just a decision you need to make. And if you're not at that decision, that's absolutely normal and absolutely something that you'll have to broach with time. But I have to tell you that being in this field and also working on myself, I'm very particular what I consume and I know exactly what I want want to do. These days, it ends up being wrestling or jujitsu match instead of a full full length game. Uh, it was really challenged for me to not sit down and watch the entirety of the World Cup. Instead, I committed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch some highlights here and here, and I want to catch these games near the end. Let's see. So we talked a little bit about decreasing distractions. All right, measurement tools. Now, measurement tools are something. That working with a coach, that's my job, is to go, hey, great job. By the way, you this is where you were a month ago. This is where I am. Now, for myself, I had to apply the same theory, but it becomes I'm much more of a feeling kind of person. And so when I do, did it in my workouts, I found that I wasn't really doing the same kind of measurement that I was doing with my mindfulness. Let me give you an example. So these days, I still do my strength training very regularly. And for the longest time, I tracked every data point, gosh, from middle school all the way into my 30s. That's a lot of data. I knew exactly what I could lift, and I knew when I was feeling good, and when I was feeling not so good. The problem is we tend to lie to ourselves a little bit, and when we accomplish something or don't, you end up throwing extra volume. That's beside the point. So I know when I get under a bench press, when I get under a squat, when I pull weight off the ground, when I'm, when I'm doing pull-ups... I know what I generally could do, the total number of reps. And so I can gauge not only how I feel when I'm doing them, but if I accomplish a certain amount of reps and a certain amount of weight, progress. I'm feeling good. I'm getting stronger. The result is the physique that I'm trying to build. Now, when I started to refine and work on this self-awareness and mindfulness, Robin would help me with all the steps and the, and the things that we needed to take to be on the checklist. And I found myself like, okay, I checked, I meditated. I did it. Why isn't it working? Why isn't it working? We judge ourselves for it's not working. I did it. It's sort of the same thing that I encountered when people do their rehab exercise. Um, I ended up starting to really notice the mindset that people were in their mindfulness in their, during their rehab. Are they relaxed? Are they just checking the box? Or are they really trying to take care of their body? And that's a huge little mindset shift if you think about it. Bringing a mindfulness to a workout is something I learned early on. The more connected I was with my physical body and the connection with that muscle, the greater result that I can have in its development and increasing the strength. And then I could see that on the wrestling mat, right? So measurement. Once you're applying measurement to mindfulness, you have to figure out what things are going to use, you can use to measure. Now, this is where it gets a little tough because as a coach, sometimes if I ask another person like, hey, how are you happy? Where's your happiness number? They have a natural reaction like I'm happy. And that's great. The challenge becomes, though, is that is that some of the ego being involved in the response because it, the ego wants to defend whatever your choices are. And there has to be a level of vulnerability. And I find that a lot of people take first off takes time to develop that rapport with a client so that they can be open and go, you know, come to think of it, I'm not so happy right now. I'm lying to myself. But what's nice is if you're doing this for yourself, you can be brutally honest with yourself and go, I am not happy. And so rate it on one to five. How about your joy scale? You know, one to five, one to 10, whatever you want. Rate that at the end of the day 
Um, sleep quality. That's another really good one with mindfulness because of the correlation with um, the physiology. If you're not getting good sleep, it usually means that you're not unwinding. You're still in a sympathetic, um, a fight or flight nervous system. And so your sleep can be a real interest, interesting way of evaluating the level of mindfulness or what level of fight or flight that you're in. Um, how about simple things like the number of times you joke or smile in a day? Be aware of those things. For some time, I'll give you, let you in on a little secret. For some time, especially, gosh, this is probably right about the time we were starting to travel a lot. I found myself disconnected emotionally and really not myself. And so I had to retrain myself for a long time. Wake up, look in the mirror and smile. And even though I didn't feel like it, like I'm doing it right now. Smile, 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 smile. Just until it didn't feel abnormal. And that's part of that retraining that that's super critical to start getting in touch with like, wait, this is not the person I am. And this is the person, father, husband I want to be. And with loving kindness, remember, we're all be patient with yourself because it took you this long to get this way. It's going to take a while. And I used to apply that same principle when people would walk in and they were essentially broken. I'm, I generally made a living out of being able to fix people from injuries that they couldn't fix at a, a therapist's office or couldn't fix even with a doctor. Um, they want to put them on meds. They'd come see me. I'd breed mechanics and figure out the minutia that's associated. I said, look, it took me a, took you a while to get this messed up. It's going to take me a little while to fix you. So be patient. Be patient with yourself. And so as your goals, as you start to get into goals of mindfulness, be aware that you should measure that as well, just like you would um, if you work out. Oh, I ran that mile faster than normal. Or I ran that mile with much more joy. Those are all great ways to start looking at your levels of mindfulness. Um, one little correlation is that I noticed I've run these places. As I explained, I have a lot of data points over time. I actually have it. Most of it stored in my brain. So I know my numbers from a month, two months. Uh, if I start going six months, I usually start to get a little fuzzy on what I accomplished on some of my lifts. But in general, I can always refer to those. And... I noticed that if I was all else being equal, nutrition, workouts, uh, relative intensity, the happier I found myself, the more athletic my improvement in my athletic performance. Now, that doesn't sound like rocket science. For most people, they know if they have a stress life, we actually see this in the pros a lot. People that have disarray in off the field are going to eventually, it's going to permeate into, onto their performance. And so keep that in mind because it also has a big part, a big action will have a massive um, improvement in the way you, let's say you're trying to drop weight. I found also the happier I was, all else being equal, workouts, cardio, um, sleep, the happier I was and trained myself to be, the more my body would tend to shed fat and make sense the same way it would with athletic performance. So mind your thoughts, mind your thoughts. Now, why is all this happening? Without getting too much into science, if this is something that interests you guys, I want to hear from you. If you want to know more about the science from me, I can definitely go into it. I love geeking out on that stuff. But really, we're dealing with three three issues. Your amygdala is being hijacked, one. Um, our subconscious thoughts, two. And a negative feedback loop. And I'm only going to touch on that for just a moment and leave you with just a little bit more about dealing with carrots and sticks. So dealing with the amygdala hijack, right? And this is not a term I coined. Um, I actually, off the top of my head, I can't remember who coined that term. But it has to do with, this, this is the alert 
part of our brain, the part that's always that that picks up when that gazelle walks to the water's edge and is worried about that crocodile taking a bite, that amygdala is on high alert. What we're encountering in humans is an overdevelopment of the amygdala, and you'll see the same thing if they evaluate brain scans for people that come back from war They're in PTSD, is their amygdala is overly active. Well, that hijacking is happening a lot in our modern society, uh, with news being the way it is, um, social media, the constant bombardment of fear and danger and fear and danger, your amygdala is overactive. And that overactivity takes us out of the front of the brain where we, ha we can think more logically. So that's one part that we're dealing with. And certainly levels of mindfulness are certainly critical. Just sitting in silence and meditating. If you need more help with that, Obviously, I can help you, but just find a mi mindfulness, find a meditation practice that helps. Um, the negative, the negative um, subconscious thoughts. If you didn't already know, we mention this number all the time in our podcast and all the time in our video. We have about 80,000 thoughts in one day and 90 to 95, depending on the literature, percent of them are all subconscious. And so the vast majority of us are having this underlying dialogue that's going on. Sub means under, and that means that it's you're not even aware of it. It's your job in your self-awareness journey to start being a little more aware of that. If you sit and do the work, you'll start to realize what things you're saying to yourself. But you got to get through that chatter that's at the top. And the negative feedback loop. So I, I alluded to some of the subconscious thoughts, amygdala hijack. Uh, the hypothalamus is the emotional center of the body. And you feel every single emotion um, that you have, you feel in, in the hypothalamus. And then that hypothalamus can is connected to your major organ systems through the vagus nerve. And if you are have all these negative sub, subconscious thoughts, think about what you're sending to your GI system, to your heart, to your lungs. And what ends up happening is eventually that gets so ingrained, you get so in the trenches, so in the ruts, that those organ systems start talking back to the brain, because it goes both ways, and start keeping you in this chronic mood. So if you're feeling like, I can't get out of this thought process, it could be that you've done it long enough that you're on that negative feedback loop. And this is why getting your physiology to help your psychology helps you. So people are encountering um, dysbiosis off off the charts, inflammatory disease off the charts, and all of that could be due to this negative feedback loop. So look, you can, and I promise you, it's going to take some time, but you can fix that and really gain your sovereignty over your mind again and who you want to be. It's important to just understand that the carrots and the sticks analogy is very simple. We are designed to remember sticks, to remember the negative, right? Because it saved us, the primitive man and woman saved us from being eaten by a crocodile. So it's important to retrain the retrain the brain and start the best recommendations I can make are these four to, to finish off this po uh, podcast. Retrain your brain. Start with gratitude. If you're new to this, bring gratitude. Close your eyes. Bring your gratitude into your mind and start to feel that. Once you start to find that gratitude, see if you could start feeling it in the physical body in some way, shape, or form. Most, most people with some practice... We'll feel it in their chest space and like, oh yeah, I love love this. I'm so grateful for this. Now, once you start feeling that, hey, yes, you start to feel it in the body. Whoa, guess what? You are more than just the body too. The mind and the body start to react. And once you start to make that connection, feel that, you start feeling and you start feeling it in the body. That's number three. So you start feeling, then you start feeling in the body. Number three, 
then you can start focusing on that third eye or that area in that neofrontal cortex or neocortex in the front and start making it clearer on what you want to be, what you want to feel like. It always starts off with a feeling like I want to be happy and joyous and light, for example. And then from there, I focus down and refine the pictures in my mind as to what that person looks and feels like. That's it for today, guys. Again, I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think. If you have any comments, please let me know. Um, you can send us an email and uh, we could set up a coaching call. Or you can join Be The Hero and start to digest some of this information. That's our group that can really start to help you digest step-by-step into some of this self-awareness uh, mindfulness journey. Thanks a lot.